Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Sneakers and Cleats, the podcast. Welcome back to the Sneakers and Cleats podcast. This is Monday, October 30th. It is November, <laughs> almost November. God, we're both tired. It is episode... 43, um, Chuck McAtinick along with me, Matt Roy. Chuck, you had a busy, busy weekend, my friend. I did, but it was a fun and exhilarating weekend, and the fact that we got to see two out of the three victories of the three sporting events that I went to, I consider myself fortunate because going into a losing locker room sometimes, especially when it's a big game, not exactly ideal. But, you know, generally speaking, the players are professional in that regard. However, it's a lot easier to circumvent the area when you are coming off a huge win and both the Cowboys and the Rangers at least got, you know, won this weekend. Yep. Chuck was in uh, Arlington for the past three days. Got Basically had to walk across the parking lot on Sunday to get to the Cowboys game after the Rangers game, one game two. Tell me, I mean, just what was kind of all that experience like? You got the World Series atmosphere and then you have the dominant efforts from the Cowboys. Just overall, how was the whole weekend experience for you in Arlington? What I liked about the World Series was that it seemed like there wasn't as much pomp and circumstance as there normally is with a big event. And I like the fact that it felt like a big series. It seems like a big series, but there wasn't all this signage and all these celebrities walking around. And it just seemed like it was a little bit more stripped down. So I felt like it was easier to focus on what was going on on the field. So in that regard, I really liked that. The Cowboys... I kind of felt like a lot of us thought that they were going to win that game, but to dominate the way they did and to beat up Matthew Stafford the way that they did, I don't know that I necessarily saw that coming. So, uh, you know, just weird observations too, like coming out of the locker. I, You know, Zach Martin was the gregarious, boisterous, rah-rah guy. I don't remember that the last time I went to a Cowboys game. So, you know, it's just weird to see things kind of evolve I mean, to, to win that game the way they did, the way they managed that game, especially early on, I think was very, very interesting as well. So a lot of things that kind of just went, wow, Right, it was good to be here to see that. We got a lot on the rundown today. It was a, uh, it is the sports equinox today. We have uh, hockey, baseball, uh, basketball, and football all on the same day for the only time this year, only the 30th time in history that that has happened. Really? Yep. Only the 30th time because, I mean, the... Major League Baseball used to end so much earlier because right. they had lack of postseason, and then basketball, hockey used to start in like early November. So you never had those until like a few years ago. And then as everyone kinds of basketball wants to start earlier now, so they can elongate the season and make even more money. And then the baseball is elongating their postseason to make even more money. And then you know hockey starts now like early October. So you, it's just going to start happening more and more often. But the thirtieth time in history. Fun fact. Um, as always, we'll start with the number game. It is number 43, episode 43 today. So obviously, I think Troy Palomalu comes to mind for me at first. Um, 
got a lot of names written down, but Troy Palomalu is kind of right off the top. You know, I like the fact that you always bring a little cheat sheet, so if we have to go to it. But I, I would say that Palomalu would jump out. And the second one that you have on your cheat sheet, too, Dennis Eckersley. I mean, for me, the Eck with the hair and the little side slinger that he was and all the big games that he pitched in. And then, you know, not only as a starter but a closer – that's a good one too. And then I know you got some other ones down there, but I didn't know Darren Sproles. That wouldn't have Darren Sproles with been. the Chargers. He started with the Chargers um, until he or before he went to uh, the Eagles and the and the Saints. He was forty three with the Chargers when he was backing up uh, LT and Michael Burner Turner and all those guys uh, destroying the Broncos back then. So um, our esteemed digital director uh, Bob has uh, chimed in as well. He said Mike Pruitt is who he thinks of. Mike Pruitt. Mike Pruitt. Because he's a Browns fan. So, the uh, Cleveland Browns legend, Mike Pruitt. Very nice. We'll have to get Bob on here to talk. Cyber Bob over there coming out of nowhere with his Cleveland references. Very nice. What (laughs) a surprise. Well, I just love this. Somebody lives up to the uh, billing of making sure that there's someone who I've never heard of before. So, Mike Pruitt now is that person who I I don't know a lot about. So, thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. So, if we could skip ahead then, 44. Yeah. Anybody come to mind? <laughs> no. We're, no. You're going to save it for Wednesday. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, 44. No, I, I, I don't have enough brain power for that today. Um, other ones I had down, Pascal Siakam is 43 right now. But, obviously, that's just the only other one that came to mind for me. Uh, Steve Foley as well. Steve Foley, former Bronco. Uh, we have a lot on the rundown today, so let's get right to it. We have the Cowboys uh, dominating the Rams and now shifting their focus to uh, the huge game in Philadelphia against the Eagles this weekend. We have the World Series shifting to Arizona tonight for games three through five. Wemby dazzled in his first few games, not so much last night, but more so on Friday. UTSA dominated once again in October, pretty much the entire month. Uh, we're not going to talk about... Uh, the, the best team in football, the Denver Broncos, who, who you know, we're not going to talk about how they broke the streak yesterday. We're not going to talk about how they made Patrick Mahomes look pedestrian and look like a, a bad quarterback. Uh, we're not going to talk about how they might be a better team than the Chiefs. We're just not going to talk about any of that. Um, we're also not going to talk about how my, none of my in-laws will talk to me right now because they're all Chiefs fans. We're not going to talk about any of that. So um, we'll get to... We'll get to Dallas. By saying we're not going to talk about it, didn't we then just talk about it? (laughs) Don't destroy the glass wall. Don't destroy the glass wall. Uh, Let's get to Dallas dominating against the Rams. So my first reaction to uh, that game was like, it started out just about as bad as it could have, where two sacks counted, but really he uh, Dak got sacked three times in the first four plays. And Aaron Donald looked like he was going to have the game of all games with I think it was two sacks in the first two drives. Um, but the way that they responded in that first drive where you get a sack on the first play of the game, second play doesn't go anywhere, third play is a sack, that, but there's a penalty. And then the very next play on first down um, after that penalty is another sack. So now you're like third and 15, or second and 15, and then it's third and six, or no, third and 17, and then they hit that 18-yarder to CD and you're like, okay, they just responded from something that could have crumbled them on this drive. And they responded to pick up a first down and then go on to score that touchdown to Jake Ferguson. It was pretty impressive. That's funny that you say, not funny, haha, strange that you say that. That was the same thing that stood out to me. It's like, what the hell are you guys doing? <laughs> I mean, you can't protect, you know, Dak, they actually did protect on some of those. It was just Dak dropped back. There was nobody open. So why are we going to keep pounding our head against the rock? Let's try something else. How about a screen? How about a draw? 
How about a dive play? Anything that gets these piranhas from the Rams off your quarterback, I mean, he's going to be not for long, seriously, like not for the rest of the first quarter if we keep doing that. But yet, it was almost as if McCarthy was telling his team, this is what we're going to do, figure it out. And the fact that they kept dropping back, and a lot of those were pocket passes that Dak was making. And, you know, I even asked Jerry after the game, did that surprise you that Nobody pivoted, and Jerry said that was the first thing he asked McCarthy. It's like, boy, you were hell-bent on going down the field like that and attacking, and they were. And I think we'll see if that's a seminal moment for this team because they learned a lot about themselves. I mean, it would have been easy, like if I was the head coach, it sounds like if you too, you would have tried something else. They simply did not. It's like, this is who we are going to be today and see if you can stop us. And they did. They did for the first few plays. But, I mean, it was just – it was one of those wow moments for me, like, holy cow, this this coach, he's calling these plays, and he's got a lot more intestinal fortitude than I would have had a running that offense. That's uh, right, yeah. I mean, it, it changed in an instant because you have those three first plays, and then that 18 yards to – it was like a hitch to CD, and then he weaves his way through the defense, gets the first down. Once they got that first down, it seemed like everything kind of changed. And then you have the third, uh, the later third down play where he hits Brandon Cooks on the left side. And then the very next, I think it was like the very next player, two plays later when he hits Jake Ferguson up the seam. And then they're kind of rolling. Then they kind of have something going. Very next drive, though, you have Aaron Donald who ruins a third and four and ends up with a Brandon Aubrey 58-yard field goal. How great has Brandon Aubrey been, by the way? Right. That kid is just nails right now yeah. until, I mean, hopefully when, he, when they, if they get to the postseason, he doesn't fall apart like Brett Maher did. But it was... It was like the the game was teetering on is this going to be dominant or is this going to is Dallas going to fall flat on their face until you get to the Deron Bland pick six at the end of the first quarter. And then you're like, okay, well, this game's done. Right. It was an avalanche after that. Right. And then again, you know, talk about all three phases. Right. The fact that you can get Sam Williams to break through, block the punt, and then on the ensuing kick, nine, he moves differently. Right. I mean, you know, and again, I know they were patient with him trying to turn him into a wide receiver, and they still stick him out there every now and then. But this guy, when he's on special teams, it's, you know, and quite frankly, you know, the Rams got one of those guys too where they just move differently, and they're they're little bitty guys, but they're like water bugs when they move. But when you have special teams plays like that back-to-back, I mean, what a lift it is for the team. You know, you get the, the two points, and now you're working on a short field, which they were able to cash in. And then, you know, for all of their woes and all the things that people said that they weren't, you know, can't cash in touchdowns, you got to settle for three. I mean, they did all that yesterday. It was it was really something else. Again, against a really, really good defense. It wasn't, you know – Sisters of the Poor, they were out there playing. Yeah, I mean, once that once Deron Bland gets that, it's like three consecutive plays, three consecutive like minutes where something crazy happened. It's like Deron Bland gets it. Very next drive from the Rams, they have to punt. The punt gets blocked, and they get the safety. And then Cavante Turpin puts them in great position. I think is like the 17 yard line. Find CD for the first one. Two drives later, you find CD for the second one. A couple plays later, after that, you find Brandon Cooks. Before, I mean, it just it just everything kind of. It was a seminal moment for them. And then right before that punt, uh, Micah Parsons got his first sack of the, of the game, his only sack of the game, but they were putting pressure on Matthew Stafford the entire game. I mean, it was just kind of like once Deron Bland got that pick six, the the ball started rolling downhill and nobody could stop it at that point. No, it was 
it was really something to behold. And it was funny because, you know, we've got to work ahead on some of these stories, right? And when you've seen as much as we've seen over the years and it's halftime and you're thinking, okay, I'm going to go ahead and write a couple of my stories right now and just, you know, start writing paragraphs so that I can interchange them when I need them. And I had pretty much everything written. Then, of course, the second half was fairly pedestrian. <laughs> so it was all working out. And then I saw Micah Parsons with his lion costume on. Like, oh, that's the lead story right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I teased it last night. When oh. I, was, I was tossing to your second package, and I was like, <laughs> and I, I was like, you guys really have to pay attention to this. Apparently, there was a dangerous moment after the game where there was a lion in the locker room. <laughs> and then Micah Parsons, you going to wear that out in public? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are they going to say to me? And he's right. That was what was so great about that moment. I would moment. say jack squat to him. I'd be like, oh, guy in line costume. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> but it was just so pure, you know, him talking about it and him walking around in it. And, you know, and then I didn't see any of the posts before the game, him walking into the stadium with it. I mean, it's you, you just got to like a guy that's able to, and he's probably as good as anybody I've ever seen It. There's a pregame, there's a game, and there's a postgame. And when he's in the game, he can really, really focus. And whether it's a great win or a great loss, he's the same guy talking about the game, whether it's good or bad. He's always got something thoughtful to say. And I just find it fascinating that he can separate the emotion from a game like that and then just be regular guy in the locker room talking about it afterwards. Yeah, I mean – my other thought that I had is as I kept after we finished the show last night and after I like I was on my way home, I was thinking about the game because I'm a nerd and I just think about sports all the time. Um, when I wasn't thinking about the dominant Broncos win over the Chiefs, I was thinking about the Cowboys. And uh, the more I thought about it, the more aggravated I got by the Cowboys. And people will say, like, why were you mad or why were you aggravated? I was like, because this is what they're capable of. And then you have these kinds of performances and the performances like against the Giants where you come out, it's an avalanche and the whole team's clicking, everything is going together and you're beating up on these bad teams. And then you go out and play the freaking Niners and you look like 12-year-olds on a JV team. It's so, so aggravating and frustrating for me to watch the Cowboys know what they're capable of, know that Dak can put the ball anywhere he wants. That throw to Ferguson could not have been in right. a better place. He put it only where Jake Ferguson could get it. Ferguson makes a great play on the ball in between two defenders, and you're on the board. I see things like that, and then you see what he does against people like the Niners or that game against the Cardinals or like any of the losses that they have. And it's just like, what the hell are you doing? Why can't you do this every week? Yeah. I think it's more a testament to how much parody there is in the NFL. I mean, <laughs> we're ready to hand everything to the 49ers a few weeks ago. And now look, I mean, they look like they can't do anything right. So it literally is one of those things where you see teams and i think aptly so where they split the season up in four games you know where are we at after these four games where are we at after the next four games and so on and the other guy gets paid too i mean you know matthew stafford that game is out of hand and that dude's hands all jacked up oh my god and he's still fighting his way to get back on the field i mean it, it's a you know you could see why that guy's the spirit of performance is what defines acura and now it's electric Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, 
the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame someday and why he's won a Super Bowl and all those things and all those bad Lions teams he was on. And even when he wasn't great as a younger player, I mean, these guys are built differently. And it doesn't matter whether you're on a winning team or a losing team. More than likely, you're going to get a fight from somebody each and every week. And I think more than anything else, the Cowboys are probably just glad they were coming off a bye. Everybody was rested. They got a chance to work on certain things. And I think it's got to be beneficial that what you worked on or whatever it was that you did during your time away during that week actually showed out during the game. And I I think that's going to give them – it should give them a spark going forward that if you put in the time, you put in the work, if you're given the time – to do the work, then good things can happen. Uh, side note: the Matthew Stafford hitting his thumb off the helmet of uh, Mozzie Smith in the in the right before halftime, I think it was. Mm-hmm. I can't watch that video again. Like I watched that like three or four times. His thumb gets like stuck right in the ear hole, right right in the face mask, and then Mozzie moves, and his thumb just goes. <laughs> like I was. Like, oh, ugh. I just did that the other day. I was. Working you, you in the yard, and I picked Mozzie up Smith's. a rock, and I, no, I didn't do that, but I jammed my thumb, and I did a little sidearm thing, and I went like this, and my thumb went right into the fence, and it's still, you know, it's not swollen anymore, but it's like, you know, and then to think that you've got to grip a ball, be on time, be on point with all that. I, I hope he's okay. I don't know what his, his injury status is, but. Well, he came back and threw that touchdown to yeah. Ben Skronik in the second half. And, and then I he think, makes a diving catch on a two-point Yeah, point and then play. he make, they makes the diving yeah. catch and gets the two-pointer, and then. They were down by 16 at that point, and then the Cowboys come down, get a field goal. They're down by 19. I think at that point they were just like, let's just let's just be safe with this. And so that's when Brett Rippin comes in. So Brett Rippin spelled R-Y-P-I-E-N and not R-I-P. I don't know. That was his dad, right? That was the great quarterback for the Washington uh, I mean, team I mean, back great, in the day. But yeah. Hey, he won Super Bowls. <laughs> um, well, I mean, so Trent Dover won a Super Bowl. Is he great? Well, I think if you want a Super Bowl and you quarterback a team that won a Super Bowl, that that's got to count for something. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's what mean, we all aspire to do. Doesn't mean you're great. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, look at whole, that a little a bit differently. It's like, what more do you want, right? You want a Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, maybe it was the team around him, but I think that's the case every time somebody wins a Super Bowl. Yeah, I guess so. You put Brad Johnson and Trent Dilfer in the last year of Peyton Manning on that list. Um, Overall, I mean, we're we're looking at this game, and after everything you heard in the locker room, after everything that you that we heard on the podium, after watching it with your own two eyes, are how do you come away from this game looking at where the Cowboys stand in the grand scheme of things in the NFC? Hard to know, right? Because I mean, they've been great at home. I think they've won eleven straight at home. You know, what are they going to look like when they go to Philly? That's obviously not an easy game, but. Again, I always hearken back to McCarthy in these division games and how historically he's been pretty good playing inside the division. And it's hard to read a lot into what we saw last year between these two teams when they played. But I think because it's a division game and all these guys that are veterans of the Cowboys have been to Philly before, it's always a big game. I'm just curious to see how it all plays out, right? I mean, are they going to be able to double down on what they just did and turn another performance like they just had on the road at Philly in a game that everybody's going to be talking about this week? I hope so. I mean, but if they don't, is it going to be the end of the world? No. I mean, we've seen how quickly things can tighten up. And, you know, Washington, 
gave Philly fits yesterday. And I mean, not that not that Philly, or not mean, that Washington that. won't give Dallas. They've fits. done that twice this year. Though. Right. I mean, they went to overtime the first right. time with Philly. They, they just play Philly tough. It's division games, and so this is what happens in a div- in division games because they essentially count two for one. So I'm just curious to see if they're going to be able to back it up, double I, down on what they just did. I mean, if they do, they get to six and two. The Philly, Philly will fall to seven and two. I mean, but Philly's the thing is. Dallas's schedule much much easier than Philly's over the next six seven weeks. I mean, Philly has not in this order, but they have Seattle on their schedule. They have two games against the Cowboys. I believe they have the Bills at some point. They have the Dolphins. Or no, they already beat the Dolphins. They have they have basically all of the good teams in the NFC and in the AFC have to play Philadelphia before Week 15. So they have a bye, I think, after their game against Dallas, and then they get to get healthy. But they have a murderer's row of a schedule on their on their uh, on their slate, and the Cowboys' schedule is getting a little easier as we look forward. So it'll be interesting to see one how this game goes, but then they play each other again in, in a few weeks. So in Dallas, by the time they come back to Dallas, is this going to be for the division? We don't know. As far as where they stand in in the conference, I mean, you have Philly right now at seven and one, Seattle, Detroit. Uh, Dallas all five and two. Detroit obviously playing tonight. San Francisco's fallen by the wayside, losing five, losing three in a row. They're now five and three. I think that they're still like the third best team in the conference. I have to believe that San Francisco is going to get going to write the ship here. Something can't be that wrong with Brock Purdy right now, and the whole team is a little bit banged up. They're they're simply a different team without Debo. Um, Detroit, I still don't know about. Seattle, do we really believe in Geno? Do we really believe in that defense? I know Reek Wollin, the former UTSA grad, he's he's great on one side. Devon Witherspoon's great on the other side. But do we really believe in that defense? I don't know. The, won't, the team with the least question marks is still Philly. It's hard to look at some of these teams like with Seattle. I, I was thinking about them just this morning. It's like they just – they're finding a way, right? I mean, and isn't there something to be said about that while you grow your team up during the course of a year? I mean, it's so hard to week by week go, this is what this is and this is what it's going to look like. You know, we've already played – you know, we've still got more than half the season left to go and things can change awfully quickly. But I think the Cowboys have to like where they're at in the grand scheme of things because, you know, when you win a game like that against a defense like that, I mean, it can't help but give you juice knowing that, you know, we can line up against anybody. And I know that they think that already, but just a big win this time of year and, you know, a good way to end the month going into November. It's a big November stretch for the Cowboys as well. Three out of their next four games are division games. So, I mean, they have, they're at Philadelphia, then they're home to the Giants, they're uh, at the Panthers, which should be a win, and then they're home to the Commanders on Thanksgiving Day. So, three out of four of those, you have to win, no matter what. If you lose to Philly, you got to win the next three. But then you got Seattle after that, then you have the Cowboys again, Bills, Dolphins, Lions, Commanders. Like, this is the easiest part of your schedule coming up, these next five games. You've got to be rolling, and I know, you know, McCarthy likes to really – find out a lot about his team in November, and then December he wants to be playing his best football. We don't even know what some of these teams are going to look like. I mean, there's a lot of talk about the commanders going to be starting to sell off pieces now, and not that that might not necessarily be a bad thing. I mean, if they've got younger players that are going to step up and do something for them. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would say on the surface, looking at the schedule, you've got to take advantage. I mean, when you're playing the Panthers, although how the hell did they beat the Texans yesterday? All I did was see the score. I mean, did you did you see any so, of that? I, I would have never thought that was going to happen the way Stroud the Texans were kind of doing not, stuff. C.J. Stroud did not play very well. Um, the Texans' defense has been really good under D'Amico, but 
it was kind of just a weird game. I, I was watching Red Zone while I was putting the show together, and every time they cut to it, it seemed like the Panthers were kicking a field goal. I didn't watch most of the game, but um, I do know C.J. Stroud did not play very well. Bryce Young didn't play very well either. I don't think Bryce Young's very good. That's just me, but I wouldn't have drafted him. But, um, yeah, it was, it was just kind of an odd game. The, the Panthers were three-and-a-half-point home underdogs in that one, so to see them pull off the win was kind of kind – of, impressive yeah i didn't see it because i mean i thought if anything else you know having watched the texans over the last month they're just methodical you know they don't kind of do anything great but they're they don't beat themselves they make plays on defense here's the you know it's one of those things where you know it's the nfl right if you're not ready to play each week this is going to happen here's the eagles next six games home to the cowboys at the chiefs home to the bills home to the niners at the Cowboys, at the Seahawks. What a murderer's row yeah. of games. Like, Chance I for the Cowboys to make some hay. I could see them going three and three in those games. Like to, to go three and three through that stretch of teams, like you're you're on Monday night against the Chiefs next week or two weeks from now. You're at home to the Bills, who should be rolling by then, who just signed Leonard Fournette today. You're against the Niners who maybe have corrected the ship in four weeks. Like that's just, that is tough. It is. And I think if you're them looking at that schedule, I mean, the first thing you got to focus on is the Cowboys, right? Because that is a division game. You're at home. If you win that, then maybe you can stub your toe in one of those other games, give yourself some slack, but the concentration has to be for them, just like the Cowboys inside the division. And then, you know, take your chances on as what McCarthy would say, an uncommon opponent. (laughs) I always love old, that old, way of looking old, at it. All quirky. All quirky. Um, what did you – trade deadline's tomorrow. Um, Jerry Jones commented on it while you were there. What did What did Jerry say, and what do you think is going to happen tomorrow at, uh, with the trade deadline? I'll paraphrase where, you know, he said they're not going to go looking for anything. They, felt like they, they feel like they have a team that can win it all. But having said that, I think there are going to be some teams that are going to – call the Cowboys and say, what would you do if we do this? And so I think then the question becomes, you know, Jerry's not going to turn down. Like if, if let's say the Broncos are going to sell off Patrick Sertan, right? They aren't, but yeah, uh, go ahead. Okay. I'll use that just because that was one. Okay. Let's, let's no, change no, no, it. Get, no, let's do Justin Jefferson okay. for the Vikings, right? You just lost your quarterback with, the, with an Achilles for how long, who knows, but let's say the Vikings call and say, Hey, what will you give us? And let's say it's something as ridiculous as a fourth round pick. How the hell do you not take Justin Jefferson on a rookie contract, even if he wants, you know, this absorbent amount of money down the road? Or, and then maybe you say to the Vikings, well, yeah, we'll do this for this, but Justin Jefferson, we're not taking you because we're not giving you a long term deal. But if you're Justin Jefferson, why wouldn't you come and play out the rest of your contract here as opposed to going there? What are they What are they willing to give up? Though is the question. Like, are you if you're going to get Justin Jefferson, Pat Sertan, Derrick Henry, any of these? Derrick Henry probably less less so. Any of these young um, pieces, whether that's Sertan, whether that's Justin Jefferson, whether that's insert young good player here on his rookie deal, it's going to be a first or it's going to be a first round pick no matter what. If you're getting a superstar player on a, at a premium position uh, on his rookie deal, it's a first-round pick at least. We've seen that with Jalen Ramsey. We've seen that with multiple times. We've seen that with Stephon Diggs. We've seen that with A.J. Brown. We've seen that multiple times throughout history, uh, especially the last few years with these young superstars looking to be traded. 
Or, you know, maybe they go and just get like a middle tier guy. I mean, like not saying Zach Ertz is a middle tier player, but I mean, again, his is a name that's been thrown out there a lot as terms of in terms of, you know, maybe interest from a contending team to go get or maybe you get an extra linebacker. But I mean, I think it was fascinating watching that game yesterday with how the Cowboys were attacking. And, you know, Jake Ferguson obviously had a really nice game and I think he's a really nice player. But what would happen if you went and got and added him, you know, Corky likes to use those multiple tight ends, too. You I know, and I don't know that those other tight ends have grown up enough in order for McCarthy to justify running out more multiple tight end sets at this point, rather than having his best receivers out on the field. Yeah, I mean, Hen- Hendershot and Schoonmaker haven't done anything pretty much this entire season. So, I mean, I, I could see them adding a tight end. The thing that the problem with the Cowboys um, being the hype machine that they are is that everyone wants to add every player to them at all times. Jerry, I think has done a good job of like saying, we're not trading anybody. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. And I think that he usually does a good job, not falling into the trap of being like, Oh, everyone wants us to get Pat Sertan. Let's go trade the house and, and, and go get him. They've traded for Amari Cooper. It was a good deal. They've traded for Stephon Gilmore. It was a good deal. Traded for Brandon Cooks, late-round picks. Like They make these moves of, of getting veterans. They don't really make the moves of getting young guys. I mean, ex- out, except for Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper was young when that happened. But oh, and, and I think, you know, to your question or to your point, what are these guys like in the locker room? They're getting guys that are good fits in the locker room. Every one of those guys that you mentioned are team guy first. So I think if – there's an opportunity. I mean, I know that Jerry's walking a lot of this stuff in the other direction and trying to deflect, but I'm not going to be a bit surprised if they pull off some sort of move tomorrow, even if it's a small move, that they're going to try to add something that may that might make them better, maybe not initially this week, but towards the end of the season. I mean, if you take a guy like, if it is Ertz or somebody else, and you bring him in, Speaking you know, it's good. There's going to be in a period where he's got to figure things out. But you give that guy a veteran guy like that with skins on the wall a month, he might be a pretty big piece that you could use down the home stretch. Speaking of the trade deadline, the Giants, uh, per Ian Rappaport, the Giants are finalizing a deal to send uh, defensive lineman Leonard Williams to Seattle for a second round pick this year and a fifth round pick next year. So Seattle bolstering their front uh, with their five and two record now actually leading the division at a five and two. So over, over the Niners looking good there. But as far as the Cowboys go, all the pundits are going to look at this and be like, they need to go get a superstar corner. They need to go get Derek Henry. They need to go get Saquon Barkley. They need to go get all these big names. That's just not how the Cowboys operate. That's not what they're going to do. They're going to sign the third middle linebacker from somebody they're going to trade for i'm just going to throw a name out there they're going to trade for josie jewel for from the broncos or they're going to trade for insert good not great player here and that player is going to make a difference for them in a game down the road they're going to trade for a, a backup there's no distance too far for the perfect trip hi checking in for or the perfect table hey where are you And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
left tackle. Chume Idoga got hurt again yesterday. Tyron Smith was held out yesterday because of a stinger. They might trade for a left tackle that is a backup or a swing tackle or something like right. that. They're going to trade for depth. They're not going to trade for Pat Sertan, Derek Henry, Saquon Barkley, Justin Jefferson, insert other player here. They're not going to trade for that guy. That's just not how they work. That's not how they operate. They don't want to dr- give up that draft capital because what the Cowboys have done so well is draft well. And so they're, they want the draft capital. They are not going to trade that draft capital away, especially, especially if it's a first and second round pick. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it depends on the situation, right? But I think you brought up an, ex- an excellent point, which is the offensive line. I mean, they need more depth there, right? Yeah. I mean, if this season is proven out, or even during the McCarthy era, you can't have enough offensive linemen for what's happened since McCarthy has taken over this team. So that's an excellent point that I think that if they make a move, that would be a great place to add another veteran guy and, you know, maybe a guy that can play multiple positions. What I thought helped them a lot last year was Jason Peters came in, and he's that – you need that veteran person. who, No matter who that is, you need that veteran person on on the – offensive line who can come in knows the scheme knows where everyone's supposed to go you just kind of need that guy to back up the guys that they have are good young talents they're good young depth they're not veterans they don't really have the skins on the wall as you like to say they need that guy behind them and that that was one of the problems that i had when they were coming into the season that's one of the problems i have with their offensive line now is as banged up as their offensive line is and usually gets because of Tyron and the injury history that they have there. I mean, they have a lot of versatile guys like Tyler Smith can move outside and bump outside whenever he needs to. Someone can step in, ball or whoever it is. But they need that veteran presence on, on the offensive line uh, as a back in the backup role. But that's just me. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do tomorrow. Uh, we will talk more about them on Friday, I'm sure. But uh, we are already going longer than I plan to on the Cowboys. <laughs> so we are going to get. Uh, I'm wordy. I am. Me too. Um, Jordan never wants to talk about the Cowboys with me. I always have to talk about them with you guys. You know? <laughs> so you're, you're in a good room for that. That's the same way, right? You get it out, you get it out of your system at work. Yeah, it's great. Jordan, Jordan doesn't want to talk to me right now anyway. If you guys didn't hear the Broncos beat the Chiefs Oh, boo-hoo yesterday. for her, right? I mean, it's like, come on. It's okay. Every now and then you're allowed to punch back, right? Yeah, well, I mean, all right. I'll talk about it for a second. Um, now that you pulled my arm. Uh, this is the first – Jordan and I met in um, uh, July 27th, 2018. 19 the broncos have never beaten the chiefs in the entire time i've known her or her family so yesterday was a monumental day when i was staying when i was sitting downstairs and zach was back there he's like what are you doing i'm like we might win like i this is happening (laughs) see i mean because like even like jordan can come over and like pat you on the head it's like well done, my friend. Well yeah, done. you got you got one. Good you job. got one. That's what her dad texted me. He's like, "Congratulations, you got one." What made it so much better is that her parents had a, uh, uh, they had a uh, watch party at their house yesterday because usually the Broncos beat the Chiefs or the Chiefs beat the Broncos all the time, sixteen straight until yesterday. Uh, so they had a watch party at their house with all of their Chiefs friends, and the Broncos won. And so I FaceTimed them after, and nobody answered. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I just wanted to see how the party fantastic. was going. And so I, uh, talk, right. so I talked to Jordan's brother, and she, they're like, yeah, they're cleaning up downstairs right now. They're, they don't really want to talk to you. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I, don't, I don't blame them, but yeah, also. I just wanted <laughs> to see what kind of snacks they had. Yeah, they yeah. have cheese balls. Right. Uh, anyway, let's get to the World Series. So they're shifting to Arizona for games uh, three through five. Merrill Kelly just straight up dominated on Saturday. I mean, that dude, I, I mentioned it on Friday with Zach. Um, 
I have a lot of love for the D-backs because I, I went to school in, in Phoenix. I have a lot of love for Merrill Kelly because the dude got dragged ever since he was part of that trade for Paul Goldschmidt. He has been getting dragged left and right saying that he was not worth the trade. He uh, belongs in the in the minors. And it's just like he performed like an ace on Saturday. And that's what you got for Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, I mean, and it's just hilarious to see a guy this late in his career pitching as well as he is, right? And you're right, it's it's a great story, right? Going to Korea for a number of years, and you, know, you can make a really good living over there playing in Korea because the money that you get is tax-free. But, yeah, to think that he's on a stage like this and then, you know, some of their other guys. But that's the greatest part about the postseason, right? I mean, it's like the guy that's going tonight, Brandon Fought. I mean, this is a guy that the Rangers absolutely mutilated back in May. I think he pitched two and two-thirds, and the Rangers scored seven runs off him, hit four home runs. Josh hit two off him. So, But apparently now he's added two pitches since. He goes down to the minors, and then he goes in and wins two games in the ALCS. I mean, if that guy doesn't pitch the way he pitched against Philadelphia, they're not here. And now he is pitching game three of the World Series, and we all know the game three winner usually wins 69% of the series well, you in look baseball. At, you look at his stats. Um, you look at his stats in the in the, in the the season. He was 3-9 and nine with a 5-7-2 ERA. And you're like, oh, yeah, the, the, um, the Rangers should mash him today. That's not, not going to happen. I'm telling you guys right now, it's, it, I would be really surprised if Brandon Fott comes out and throws meatballs over the center of the plate. It's not going to happen today. Well, I'll be curious to see you know, what the strike zone looks like because if you watch game two, and I'm not making any excuses for the Rangers, I'm just telling you what I saw with my own two eyes, that strike zone for Merrill Kelly got bigger as the game went on. And I felt like in a lot of times, because of how balls and strikes were being called, that the Rangers got the bats taken out of their hand. So if... Brandon Fought gets a generous strike zone after the first three innings like Merrill Kelly was afforded the other night. It's going to be very hard for the Rangers, and hopefully if it is a wide strike zone that the Rangers get those pitches too and then, you know, work and pitch accordingly. If you're getting outside pitches off the plate, then that's what you should be doing. Stay out of the middle of the plate, as you said. Yeah, I mean, since the end, I'm just looking at the – since the beginning of September, he's gone – he had a loss, a bad loss to Colorado – he went against the Cubs twice. One of them was a shutout through six innings. Went against the Yankees and got blown up a little bit. Went against the White Sox through six no hit in or six innings of five hits, no runs, no er, no earned runs, no walks, <laughs> like nothing. He's he's and then in the postseason he's been lights out. They've won every start that he's had or every game that he's pitched in. So I mean he's been lights out in the postseason. I don't expect um, that he's going to throw meatballs in the middle of the plate like what the Rangers mash on all the time. Like that's what they said after the game. They were like, yeah, he was Merrill Kelly was nibbling and he was getting the calls and he was hitting his spots. And it's kind of hard to get hit a pitcher when he's hitting the corners consistently, especially with that cutter that he has. Absolutely. And I said, at the beginning of this series, somebody asked, you know, who do I think needs to really step up in order for the Rangers to win the world series? And I said, Max Scherzer, because you just don't know what you're going to get. Right. I mean, yep. The poor guy was essentially shut down, but because of who he is, has battled his way back. He was much better in his second start than he was his first start. If he's good tonight, I mean, that could really tilt the series in the Rangers' favor for sure. Yeah, I told Zach on, I think it was Friday. It was a Friday or Wednesday. I forgot which one it is. I think it was Friday. Um, I think that whoever wins game three wins the series because it's going to come down to Brandon Fott versus Max Scherzer. Whoever pitches better tonight, that team should win, and that team will win the World Series in my opinion. 
because it's going to come down to either that. So let's say Arizona wins tonight. Just shooting, just shooting blanks here. Arizona wins tonight. Maybe the Rangers win tomorrow. Then the Rangers or then Arizona wins game five. That comes down to game six. Brandon fought against Max Scherzer again. It's going to come down to these two pitchers. Who pitches better so you can win game three and game six if there's game six? So that's just that's just where it, where it shapes up to me. Or you can look at it like this. The Rangers have the D-backs exactly where they want them. They're going on the road for the next three where they haven't lost in this postseason, and they're going to come home world champs. They're going to end the postseason. What is that? Do you think they're going to end the season 12, end no. postseason 12 and No, 0? but I mean, if you'd have told me that the Rangers and the D-backs would be in the World Series, I think we had this conversation. <laughs> I don't remember either one of us saying it would be the Rangers and the D-backs. I thought we called that back in April. I don't know. <laughs> right? I don't think anybody called that back in April. I think I the yeah. Diamondbacks were one were 125 to 1 to make the World Series this year at the beginning of the season. 125 to 1. They went 84 and 78 with a negative run differential and are three games three wins away from winning the World Series. It's unbelievable. It really is. They're fun to watch, man. They play old school baseball, you know, they they don't strike out. Cuts, they put man. the ball in. That's right. They steal bags. I mean, you know, the Marte kid with a hitting storm, I mean, the guy's never not had a hit in a postseason game. I mean, it's tell Marte, man, dude, been there with all the lean teams that they had and they never traded him. They never got rid of him, obviously for a reason. It's a great story. It is. It's a great story. Uh, it's it's going to be a great series, too. It's already been a great series. Game one was one for the freaking ages on Friday. That was a legendary yeah. game. Like, I can't I can't even believe that Corey Seager mashed that first pitch home run. Uh, in the bottom of the ninth inning, and then Adelise Garcia, just what else can be said about him? No, I mean, he's really clutch. And, again, it's, you know, my line of questioning is what do you do? It's not like the opposition isn't trying to back him off the plate. I mean, in the Houston series, he gets drilled. Then he hits two home runs. And he goes on a killing spree the next night, gets another couple of home runs. Then he gets drilled again in this series. Then he hits a home run. I mean, it's not like pitchers aren't doing work to get him off the plate or make him feel uncomfortable. I mean, he's just – he's a razor up there. I don't know what you do or how you do it, but if he gets a cookie, it's going to get hit a it's, long way. Well, and I, I told Zach this. We were here on Friday watching the game, and it went – the pitch that he hit out for the walk-off – I was like, oh, that's a pop fly. It, it was like off the end of the bat, the opposite way. And I was like, oh, that's just going to be a pop-up. That's going to be an easy play for the right fielder. We're going to the 12th inning. It just kept carrying. And then you look at Adelise Garcia, and he's just freaking yeah. yoked. Like, oh, yeah. There's a reason that that ball went out. It's because he's literally just a big ball of muscle. Like, he it's is. unbelievable. I mean, it's, and, again, great story. You know how that guy's had to battle to stay in the big leagues and what he's made of himself and – just everything else that the guy's about. I mean, you know, he, while Tra learning English. for cash considerations. Right. But while learning English was sheepish about doing interviews, I can understand that. And now he's, yeah, you can ask me whatever you want. I mean, it's, love it. I love that the guy's trying to make himself a better ball player and also trying to, you know, expand his brain a little bit as well. And that he's worked himself into a position where he's very, very good, makes a very good accounting for himself on and off the field. All right, let's get to some other topics here. So we got Wemby Dazzle in this first few games. Uh, I know you were at the World Series on Friday, so you probably missed it live. Have you seen how phenomenal this young man is? Yeah, I mean, I don't think anything surprises me when I see the <laughs> clips here and there, but I, I was a little surprised to see the shooting percentage be a little bit down in the third game, or was it the second? No, the Friday game, the shooting percentage was not, you know, where you'd want it to be.
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you're that big, you need to be shooting 50% from the floor. In fact, I know Pop wants everybody shooting 50% from the yeah. floor. That's the goal. So, but again, he's 19. Yeah, the, the flashes, everything I see, you know, he's got to learn to run the floor a little better. He shoots uh, from the outside. He shoots the, from the outside a lot. That's right. The and that's where they've got him right now until he thickens up a little bit. But, you know, and again, some of this is a work in progress. They got to see what they have. I think they're fascinating to watch in a half court set, but are they going to be able to run with him on the floor? I think it still goes back to that. And then I just, I was driving home last night. Jack was giving me scoring updates or giving us scoring updates on the Clippers. And it sounded like that thing was over before it started. Yeah, so. that, that game wasn't a great game. Uh, they turned the ball over. I think it was 15 times in the first half. I think it was like nine times in the first quarter. They only scored 16, 17 points in the first quarter. The game was over at halftime. Right. Um, putting, I mean, they're going to have performances like that, especially coming off the high of Friday. I get why that happened. Yep. Because you come off of a game where you were up at half or you were tied at halftime, you were up throughout the first half, then you go down in the second half, and then Wemby and Devin Vassell pretty much will their team to victory in the second half. The double block that he got on Jabari Smith Jr. was one of the best plays I've seen from anybody in the league, let alone a rookie. He blocks the tomahawk jam that Jabari Smith's coming to coming down to to dunk on him. He blocks that, steps out of bounds, gathers himself, and then comes back and blocks the putback, too. They're down three points right there with two minutes and six seconds left. It was one of the most phenomenal plays I've ever seen in my entire life by any player. And that something like that, and then you come down and you he's the one that ties the game at 111. Right. He's the one that uh, hits the first jumper in the, in the overtime. He's the one that kind of instigates... The, the play when it's 113-111 and he's he's kind of defending and the, the the Rockets player throws it right to Trey Jones. Trey Jones gets to Keldon. Keldon jams it with authority. And, like, the game was over at that point. I think what you're, you're speaking to, too, uh, is I, I think I see this, too, is he's unafraid and he doesn't care what the result's going to be, right? There are a lot of guys in this league that wouldn't even attempt to try to block dunks because they don't want to end up on a picture somewhere or a meme and then have it go viral. This guy, as a 19-year-old, seems to be the guy that is whatever challenge that you throw his way, he's going to do everything in his ability to meet the challenge, and he's not going to care what you may say about him, what you may think about him, because the effort's going to be there. And, again, it's one of those things that's like when you see the freshman kid that's playing with seniors on the high school baseball diamond or the football diamond or the basketball court, and – if you can tell that they don't look afraid of the situation, that they look like they're a part of the team, regardless of, you know, they're the smallest or the most inexperienced, you can see that it's just a matter of time before you've really got something special here. Because if you can get past the mental hurdles of being 
the freshmen with a bunch of seniors, then there's probably a lot of other things that you can get past too. Yeah, I mean, there was there was a, a couple of plays in there where I was like, oh, he needs to imp- you know him improve his ball handling here. He needs to improve his footwork here. He needs to do this, this, that, and the other thing. But the most impressive things were that he one he was unafraid, like you said. Two, he showed strength when he was taking the ball to the basket when uh, I think coming in we all thought he might be overpowered sometimes with defenders. And he was a little bit in that first game against Grant Williams, but he was in foul trouble all night. And the third one was like the thing that stuck out to me about that Friday game against Houston the most was that the team wants to win. And it last year that game would have been a loss because none of the team – one, the team wasn't trying to win – but two, the team didn't know how to win. Right now, they're still learning how to win, and they're learning how to play together. That Friday game showed me that this means more this year because of Wemby, because of the potential that they have, because they're trying to win games. Like them losing last night, fully expected, coming off the emotion of a Friday of that Friday. And the Clippers might be the best team in the West too. Well, let's be honest. I, I mean, mean, for like thirty games when all their guys are playing. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, we were going to get to UTSA dominating in October once again, but I honestly don't think there's that much to say. Trey Moore is phenomenal. He got three, three more sacks. He's the all time leading sacker, uh, in the season or in one season, excuse me. He has 12 sacks this season. That's a school record. They're only through eight games. So, I mean, he could get to 20, who knows? Trey Moore is phenomenal. I don't think there's a a lot that can be said about him just because he is, he is what he is. He's a phenomenal player. Who's going to be in the NFL. Dare we say the best defender that UTSA has ever had. Probably. And that's saying something when you've gotten Davenport who went in the first round. Tariq is a all-pro. I mean. Rashad Wisdom as well. Yes, Rashad. But in terms of guys that you know that are going to make an impact at the next level, I mean, everybody knows where Trey Moore is on the field if you're scheming for UTSA, and yet he's still getting his. I know it was the same with Davenport because I watched all those games too, but Trey Moore is just another level of wow. He's special. He's going <laughs> to go to the league, and he's going to be a really good pass rusher for a really long time. He's, he's a very, very, very good, solid defender, and he is freaking jacked oh, oh my god he's built like an adonis he is it, it, it's still the, the the thing that blows my mind is how can this guy have been so vastly under recruited larry because hill, of what he is yep, lo, yep larry hill sold him and luckily there was a taker at utsa but and then it's quickly how quickly it pivots right you go from the guy that's under recruited you show one year worth of tape, and then all those teams that wanted nothing to do with you, not even look at your tape, were all trying to give you NIL money to come there. Yep. I mean, it's just, it's a great story, and it's obviously we're not even in chapter three yet. It's, no, it's very, very fascinating. It's phenomenal. Um, the other history that was made on Saturday was uh, UTSA also broke, Frank Harris, Joshua Cephas also broke the longest play in UTSA history record. They got an 84 yard touchdown, a little RPO. Wheel go from uh, Joshua Cephas hits him. He's wide open. He runs 84 yards Speaking for the touchdown. Speaking of pros, Joshua Cephas. Joshua Cephas is going to be another pro. Uh, hopefully Frank Harris is too, but I don't know. Um, his injury history is troubling. But anyway, they 
UTSA won 41-27 over East Carolina. They're heading to North Texas this week. That's the only game they've lost in November under Jeff Trailer. was a few years ago against North Texas. So I know that Jeff said in his press conference uh, they've got this one circled, and I think they're going to come out and do it again this week. But the thing about UTSA is that they're getting back to their identity. They're playing great defense. They're running the ball with their three-headed monster back there, Kevorian Barnes, Robert Henry. I mean, they they are getting back to who they are. They're, they're getting um, – with that running game comes a lot more play action, comes a dangerous RPO threat that Frank is. They are just – they're looking much more like the UTSA that we thought we were going to see this season. Yeah, I mean, and they're finally, you know, healthy. I think – you know, I think we talked about this at the time. It's like it makes no sense to go all in for some of these early season games despite the marquee matchups or some of these marquee programs that you're playing. The real bullets fly – in league time and here they are undefeated again in league play it's just it's phenomenal what they're doing at utsa just i know you you know we scratch our heads all the time it's like how are you doing this and i know everybody oh they only won by this or they only you got to be kidding me it's tough to win college football games it's tough to win a lot of college football games and it's really tough to win league games each and every week that they seem to win 90 something percent of their the times they're playing conference games. Yeah, they have to – UTSA has to go undefeated until they play Tulane, um, and I think they will. I think that until they play Tulane, they're really not going to – They have, it's not that they have cupcakes, but they are they should win all their games until Tulane. Um, I've, I can say that now much more confidently than I could have three, four weeks ago when they were losing to Tennessee and they were going to their bye week one and three, I think, um, when they lost it. They lost to Houston, who has fallen off the face of the planet – Houston is not a good football team at all in your day and a whole. Yeah, I think they've gotten beaten up too. It's one of those where you play that schedule, right? Yeah. And then, you know, it's going to happen. Yep. But anyway, uh, UTSA dazzling once again. Longhorns pulled one off. Longhorns are going to Kansas State this, or no, Kansas State's coming to RFK this week. Uh, the Aggies won as well. They snapped their two game skid. They're now going to Oxford. I think they're going to Ole Miss uh, this week. So, um, Oh, that'll be a big one. Yeah, a couple of big games. Because uh, they, the Aggies owe them one from a year ago, and then all the trash talk. The Aggies owe a lot of people a lot of things. It's like they need to, yeah, they need to win out probably. Yeah, they, uh, they need to, they owe seventy six million dollars to a certain someone that they need to get rid of. But anyway, uh, that's I'm all not we got. saying that. I'm just saying that they got to go win some football games on the road. That's what they got to do. They got to win this game this week. Yeah, they got to win this week. Uh, the Longhorns need to win this week, so they have a chance since Oklahoma slipped up uh, this past weekend, so they got to do that. Oh, by the way, um, Arizona State got to win, too, so forks up. <laughs> ASU in the house. What a weekend for me. You know what? ASU gets a win. The Broncos get a win over the Chiefs. This was a good weekend, guys. You know, I know they don't happen very frequently with all those teams that you just named, so you should be celebrating. Yeah, ASU <laughs> one in five, or I think one in six, or two in six. So, you know what? I'll Nowhere take, to I'll go take but up I'll again. Take, I'll take the wins where we can get them. Right. So, uh, that's all we got for you on the Monday edition of the Sneakers and Cleats podcast. Remember to download, rate, review, subscribe, give us a five-star rating, tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell somebody whether you like it. Uh, if you don't like it, don't tell anybody. That's that's that won't help us at all. Be nice. Uh, be, <laughs> be kind. Be kind. Um, we'll see you right back here on Wednesday for the often replicated, never duplicated high school hype squad. Uh, we will probably have Chuck on. We will probably have Zach on. We will have a full set here in the in Studio Forty Three at the uh, esteemed 
KBB WAI Studios on the 410. I'll say it like a Californian that I am. <laughs> Until then, have a great week. Go Broncos. Go Devs. Uh, sorry to my in-laws. <laughs>